Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, episode 85. My good friend and my yoga and meditation teacher, Steve Farrell, is my special guest. Steve and I had a fantastic conversation about mindful instruction, helping our students to explore, and a really important topic of dealing with conflict and difficult people. Lots of teacher takeaways on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. Welcome to welcome back mm. to the podcast, Steve Farrell. It's good to be back. Uh, it's so nice to have you here. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. My um, pleasure. So you were one of my first guests way back when I first started this podcast. Mm -hmm. And we had a wonderful conversation about being present and mindful in the studio or wherever you are, really. Uh, But for my guests who might not be familiar, Steve is my yoga and meditation teacher and a friend Mm -hmm. and a drummer Mm -hmm. and a cat lover and a cat lover (laughs) my cats are all over him i literally have a coffee cup that says pet cats listen to metal oh my gosh okay i need to take a picture of that for the i'm gonna put it on the podcast that's awesome that's a great pet cats listen to metal love it that's my yin and yang right oh that's my yin yang (laughs) brilliant um but let everybody know a little bit about you um and what what you do what you love to do um so yeah uh i've been a yoga teacher for over a decade um uh i found my way into yoga through physical exercise i was bodybuilding at the time which is Mm. i always tell is difficult to tell these days because i'm much smaller than i used to be (laughs) um so yeah and then i got into yoga via my wife who was my girlfriend at the time and um even though i got into it for physical reasons i instantly fell in love with the mindfulness and the more spiritual aspects of practice that i wasn't there for but just sort of i'll I'll say sometimes it hit me like a mack truck like i didn't know that i was there for that but it was like i was there for that And then, yeah, so I fell in love with the practice really early. I started a yoga teacher training like maybe three months into practicing, two or three months. Wow. I got introduced to meditative practice, um, which is sort of, I teach yoga these days, but my my passion really right now is in mindfulness and meditation. Mm. Um, And so I've been practicing as long as I've been practicing yoga. And then I've been facilitating meditation for maybe over the past four or five years. Wow. And that's sort of... Like, you know, my classes, my classes mm-hmm. are people will come to me and be like, oh, you're really into mindfulness, eh? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes, I am. So even though like my classes, I might consider them to be challenging to a certain degree. They're not mm-hmm. overly vigorous. No. Um, but they're geared more towards really feeling the body as we move, noticing what the mind does with that, or looking at things like our quality of attention. Mm. Um, yeah. And so that's really like my passion right now is just meditation, mindfulness. But I'm also really into... As much as I love, and I'm going to do air quotes for people who can't, <laughs> Very <good>. air quotes, <laughs> I really love yoga, Yes. Um, but these days I'm branching out into more movement modalities. Um, oh. I've started going back to the gym, which I really, really love. That's mm. been like maybe the past three years I've been really getting back into lifting again, and wow. I've always loved lifting. That was the thing that kept me in it was, it was something that I was good at in the beginning because right. I was never athletic as a kid. I was terrible at team sports <laughs> okay right, this is, like my dad was the baseball coach and I was always in right field because nobody <laughs> ever hit there 
<clears throat> and no offense to my dad, he's a beautiful man, but he recognized that I have no athletic talent whatsoever. Right field, you go. Yeah, and he's like, "You go out there and play with some grass." Oh man! And, and I was, I was always, I've always been sort of a drummer, so tapping was sort yep. of the thing that I always did. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "You go and play with the grass and tap <laughs> on your legs and right field, and we'll we'll win games over here." That's funny. Yeah, so I've started lifting again, and I'm really into just movement in general. Um, which for me is just an adjunct of mindfulness practices, just Mm -hmm. finding different ways to feel my body move. And yeah. And then now, um, I don't know. Did I have kids on the last podcast? You? I think maybe I had. Oh, I had, Ellis. Yeah, I had Ellis. Ellis was a wee baby. Yeah. So you now have another wee baby. Yeah, well, Ellis she's is not now, a wee baby. No, well, Ellis is four and a half, and wow. Ava's going to be two in maybe like three days. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so very soon. Ooh. So now it's like mindfulness and parenting and oh my goodness so yeah and i love being a dad like it's fantastic it's obviously it has its struggles like anything oh yes but i love yeah i'm really into being a parent right now and and sort of teaching from that perspective well i uh the the reason that you and i became friends is because i really enjoyed your classes Mm -hmm. so at at uh, the yoga studio that you teach at. And I mean, there's so many amazing teachers, but not every teacher is for everybody. Absolutely. And I had uh, gone through quite a few different different teachers, all re- just lovely, but again... I love how we just try to stay diplomatic. I'm t- well, they are. They're all really wonderful. Well, because Which they are. They are. <clears throat> but I would want somebody to have the same approach to me as a teacher. You know, she's a good teacher, but she's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So, and not. And as much as like maybe people love my classes, there are some people that just do not like my classes. Well, and, and there's that. there's some other teachers that I almost died in their <laughs> classes. <laughs> but there was that one time where you had the head and then you weren't there and we were made to do side crow and I was plotting revenge and death I think <laughs> and I was like where's Steve and why is Come my, back. where are my legs why I don't I can't feel my legs I'm gonna die here that's great. alone yeah. in <laughs> side crow <laughs> alone with a group of people all sweating profusely and... cursing under their breath yeah well I really enjoy your classes because you bring that mindfulness in and mm-hmm. every time I went to your class there were so many things that you said that I I could immediately bring back to my teaching studio, to my students, and also to my family. My son, my son, uh, was um, we had a we had a tough time when he was three, four, um, just just communicating and mm-hmm. and getting along, and and a lot of the things you said were so helpful. Oh, good. And. Uh, and now that's where I am is like the four, right? The four and a half year old, and it's like communication is difficult, right? Yes. Well, yeah. Mine, mine's eight and loves baseball more than breathing. Anything. Anything, Anything. is. He's not in right field <laughs> ever. No. It's like in the thick of it. What position does he play? He loves catching. Catching. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but it changes. Like he, I think he loved catching because he loved Russell Martin. Yeah, I get that. Russell's gone now from the Blue Jays. So now it's like a shift is, is yeah, happening. Yeah, he's he's. I'm a third base player. I like. Are third you base. third base? Yeah. Nice. Like now that I'm playing baseball again, this is our. I don't know that we're going to play this season because just like life is really hectic right, right. now. And and having that one to two nights commitment is just like mm. I know it sounds like nothing to some people, but one to two night commitment right now is just like. A struggle. Oh, sure. So um, sure. I don't think we're going to play this year, but when I do play, like third base is like 
I love third base. There's lots of action at third base. Right? Yeah. Those line drives come right at you. Right at you. If you are not mindful, no, you, you're in trouble. You get hit in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm I'm really excited to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, one of the things that you do in class, which I really love, and I think is so helpful to anyone that is helping, uh, coaching, teaching um, people that are using their body. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing that I love is how you are constantly encouraging and inspiring us to explore. Mm, yeah. That I love. And so if you could give some examples of of how you kind of do that. How I do that? Yeah, you're you're so good at it. So maybe for people that don't know a lot about yoga, I think it would be good to mm. to get into cl- like air quotes again, classically in yoga. Sure. Um depending on sort of the lineage that you study in or the classes that you go to, there's going to be very particular ideas about alignment. Mm. Like where, like let's say in a warrior two, the classic alignment is heel to arch, front heel in line with back arch. Um, if you're in warrior one, it's classically, it was a heel to heel alignment. And for me, my body, although I can do those things, my body didn't necessarily find benefit in a lot of those rigid rules around mm. practice. Um, especially keeping in mind that, again, more from a classical perspective, that a lot of the yoga postures are about aesthetics and not necessarily about function. Mm. Um, And so because of that, and because I'm just curious, I've always been curious. Right. And I've I've never really liked a lot of rules. (laughs) I like like guidelines for sure, Sure. but I'm not big on hard, fast rules. And so... I started to figure out that some of those things in practice really weren't working for me. These hard, fast rules of like, this is where you put your body. This is how you do it. And if it doesn't happen, then maybe there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and so I got, right? I started exploring different teachers that were more about expressing individuality through practice. Mm. And a lot of that was taking some of these rules and bending them a lot and saying like well what if I put my foot here what if I did that with my foot what if I didn't do this with my arms that everybody else is doing Mm. and I found that that was really helpful for my body because um, I sit on what's known as the hypermobility scale okay which means that to a certain degree like I don't have any underlying conditions that I know about um, although some people on the on that spectrum do um, but I'm a little bit too bendy in certain places I'm I'm more unstable than I am stable Probably in more than one way. <laughs> um, so one of the ways that I really like to, because that's my experience in my own body, that's the way that I teach is I just teach from my own experience. And sure. um, a lot of that is like, let's say we're even doing something like a bridge lift at the beginning of class, which for those of you that don't know, lie on your back, feet flat on the floor, and then you lift your hips up and you lower your hips down. Mm-hmm. And even just doing something like that, I might say... Let's start with the feet approximately a hips width apart. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe without moving through too much through your pelvis or your spine, you walk your heels a little bit closer to your bum, but that's not the goal. Right. And then as we're doing the movement, I might bring people's awareness into what other body parts might start to do. Mm. And I'm like, if that feels good for you, keep doing that. Mm-hmm. But what if we explored this? Like, what if doing... What if we explored this kind of movement instead of that kind of movement? Right. What if you played around with moving your feet a little bit wider apart or a little bit more narrow? And just what's your experience of that? So that people can really 
find a movement or a practice that really works for them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, I love what you were saying about um, giving people that option and how certain moves didn't work for you because as somebody who had two uh, knee surgeries, mm-hmm. it was those instructions that you gave that allowed me to find far uh, easier poses and more flexibility in the class. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. And again, I brought that. I stole that. Okay, cool. Full disclosure, stole yeah. it. And brought it back to the voice studio because with with the information that voice teachers have now about anatomy and understanding mm-hmm. that every voice is so unique and certain instructions aren't going to work for this voice, but they might work for this voice. I, I found that, that approach mm-hmm. so, so welcoming. Good, so good. I love that. What are other ways that we can politely, like in class, when you give people that opportunity to explore, do you see those who do not wish to explore? Absolutely. Okay. Do you encourage it or do you're like, no, you just I do kick your them. Thing. You kick them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Although it's like side note tangent. There was a woman the other day when we were doing balancing practice yes. and I was walking over to sort of give her like a personal cue. Like what, what would happen if you did this? And she was like, she fell out of the posture <gasps> and she says out loud, she's like, oh, I thought you were going to push me. <laughs> And so the whole <laughs> class just started laughing. Because really, you do that. Because I totally push people over in classes. So in it's like that's my class. that's my style. Um, oh no. Yeah, but I don't. So somebody came up to me after class one day. Um, is it okay to do a plug for like a like a shameless plug? Oh, of course. So, so people might know Darren Laidman, who's a local like a mm-hmm. semi-local celebrity, mm-hmm. um, um, who's now going to be on I think like K Light. I think that's oh, where really? he's moving to. Yeah. Um, but he came to me after class one day and he's been coming to my classes for a long time, same as you. Mm-hmm. And he said, one of the things that I love about your classes is that you're not trying to tell me how to feel. Mm. You're not trying to tell me what to experience. You're giving me cues to find it out for myself. And Boom. yes, and that was because that's what I want to do. So for him to say that to me, that the, that the students really recognize that that's where I'm coming from is mm-hmm. big for me because that's what I want to do is I don't want to tell anybody really what to do, that there are some guidelines for sure. Like if we're doing a warrior two, I don't want you doing a headstand, <laughs> right? Um, like if you want to do headstand, go do it in another class or go do it at home. Right. Um, but I don't really want to tell people what they have to do or what they should do because I don't, I don't want to should all over everybody. That's the last thing I want to do is just should, 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 should. And this is the way that it should be. And this is the way that this should be. And so if somebody wants to not explore Mm -hmm. and maybe they have relatively rigid ideas about how to do this movement or how to do this posture, I'm cool with that. Mm -hmm. Because then I'll just like, I'll put in little verbal cues about... I don't know, like maybe if we're doing something and I give three options, I mm-hmm. might say, and just notice maybe if you're the person when you have three options available that you always go for the hardest option. Like yes, just no- I love Just that. notice that. Like, and not that that's bad, just something to notice about in this moment, three options and your tendency perhaps, maybe even off of your mat, sure. is to go for the hardest option. Right. And that's cool. Like if that's where you want to go, then you go there. And you just you're just bringing attention to it. All I want to do is bring attention to things. So at least you can say yes. This is a choice that I am consciously making. Yeah, and I might even go over to the person who's 
sort of rigid in their alignment. Mm -hmm. And I might even ask them like, what would happen if you did this? Mm. Or would you be willing to try this? Oh, I like that Is a that nice language. one. Like, would you be willing to try it? And sometimes I get a no. Really? Like, yeah, and I'm cool sure, with that. Sure, yeah. Right? Or it's like, they'll they'll give me the like the polite nod, <laughs> and then they don't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, yeah. You don't want to do that right now with your body. And right, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with people just gearing their own experience towards what it is that they feel that they need and if somebody although my classes are not about being vigorous i don't ever mention things like metabolism or burning <laughs> calories or i don't even really talk about getting strong or getting more flexible in class or more mobile it's just mm -hmm. not it's just not what i'm geared towards right but if somebody wants to use a yoga class that i'm teaching as a way to do that for themselves mm -hmm. who am i to take away from that Wow, I love that. Um, yeah, like I, I was talking to one of the guys that works front desk the other day, yeah. um, Joe, and he was saying that right now yoga is his only form of exercise. Mm. And so he'll go to a couple teachers when he wants to do more cardio-ish type stuff. Of course. Right? And and we, we both know who those teachers are. Oh, yes, I yeah. do. And so, and then he's like, I'll go to guys like you or other teachers to work on more mindfulness or strength mm -hmm. stuff or... Um, yeah, just like mindful movement stuff, mm. right? So he doesn't meditate. And right. because of that, uh, I think he comes to my classes sometimes or other teachers' classes that are more geared towards mindful movement as a form of that, mm. right? But if somebody's in my class and they want to bang out a bunch of chaturangas and do like <laughs> four vinyasas in between each posture, like I'm not really down with that, me personally. Right. But if somebody wants to do that, who am I to say that that's a terrible idea? And I think sometimes we just got to let them, let them have it, gotta right? Let them have yeah. it, right? I love that advice. I think it's so applicable in, mm -hmm. in the voice studio. Yeah. Because um, if there's one thing that I think a, a seasoned voice teacher knows is that we truly don't, we truly cannot appreciate how the student is experiencing their voice. Mm -hmm. It's not the same as ours. It's no. not the same as any other student on the planet and we can only guide them mm -hmm. and 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 offer suggestions and i know i know that sometimes i do get frustrated when i'm trying to you know this is really i hate this term but correct vocal flaws yeah i really hate that term but when i'm trying to guide singers to a healthier sound or a, a different sound it's I, i'm more about the exploring now. And I mm -hmm. find that it does, for some students, that their journey is slower. <laughs> yeah, They need years of exploring. Yeah. And some students are able to make corrections really quickly and yeah. they move faster. And, and it's not, I don't think it, I don't think it's me per se. I can only, I can only do so You're much. You're a facilitator, I'm right? I'm a facilitator. Yeah. And I think that's hard for some voice teachers. I think it's very difficult. We, we look at, we judge ourselves by how quickly our students progress, yeah, which is absolutely not fair no. to the student or to ourselves. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey everyone, Katrina here, and today we're talking about the modern music teacher's best friend, technology. How are you using technology in your lessons? You've probably noticed that today's students are digital natives. They grew up using screens instead of paper. Speak their language and make technology part of your teaching style. 
Technology is a great resource for musical education, and the clever use of tech can make you a more effective teacher. Use videos from YouTube to bring world-class performers and musicians to your students. Sometimes watching a video can be more effective than just listening to the same piece of music. You can support your student's learning style by providing different experiences. Whether your student learns best with words, music, visuals, movement, or through interpersonal interaction, all of those can be supported with educational apps on a phone or an iPad. Of course, this is in addition to your lessons. No app can replace the student-teacher dynamic. Ask your community of other music teachers what they have found useful. There are tons of online resources at little to no cost that can augment your teaching and engage your students in the language they understand best, technology. Apps like Piano Maestro, Achieve Music, or Fun and Learn Music can help your students practice skills you've taught them. Technology can be your friend too, not just for your students. Bring your studio online with studio management software like My Music Staff. From scheduling and invoicing to sharing multimedia content with your students, automate and streamline your studio administrative work. My Music Staff is the number one software solution for private music studios. Try a My Music Staff 30-day free trial today at www.mymusicstaff.com. For more tips and tricks, tune in next week to the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. Now, I wanted to ask you about, because it's such a personal journey, and because we all have really deep battle scars from (laughs) our own journey, How can we facilitate lessons where our egos, our experiences don't cloud our vision and we can truly see and hear the student in front of us? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, really good question. I know we were sort of talking about that earlier. Mm -hmm. And for me, so let's say like for for those people that maybe don't know my background, um, I, I tend not to like to put myself in camps. Um, like even when I was in bands in high school and stuff like this, people are like, "Oh, what does your band sound like?" And I'm like, "Well, I really can't say because you're like a little bit of this and a little bit of that." I just don't like labels. Right. Um, I'm not a big label fan. Um, although my meditation practice is a lot about labeling things right now, like <laughs> hearing, seeing, feeling. Oh, okay, um, okay. But within, I sort of sit in a Buddhist camp, okay. right? Um, and if I want to even get more specific, I sit in more of a Zen style camp, mm-hmm. and. Part of that sort of philosophy and exploration, even through meditation practice, is recognizing our own scars. Mm. Um, in in yoga speak, that would be like samskaras, which is actually where we get the mm-hmm. English word scar from. Um, and it's basically just an imprint that all of your experiences leave an imprint on you. And as we start to explore our own imprints in meditation practice, in yoga, right? Like figuring out, like I have old knee injuries from bodybuilding and seven years in a factory where I was just beating up my body all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was a period in my life where I would work a 10 hour shift in the factory and then I would go to the gym and work out and then I would go do like three hours or two hours of band practice. Wow. So it was just all day long, just moving and working my body to extremes. And I, I developed some stuff because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, those are my samskaras. Those are right. my imprints left from how I decided to live my life at that moment. Mm-hmm. And as I start to explore my own scars, the big realization is that if I have scars, everybody has scars. Mm-hmm. Right? If all of my experiences are leaving imprints on me, and I don't necessarily get to choose how those imprints are left. And I think that that's a really big piece is 
Um, especially with something like trauma sensitive yoga is a big thing these days. Mm -hmm. And it's basically just walking into the room and recognizing that without being too afraid to do anything, mm -hmm. just recognizing that we don't know what anybody's trigger is going to be, right? Nice. That anybody can get yeah. triggered by anything, which means that we don't know what anybody's scars are. But I think that a good way to step out of our own ego mm -hmm. um, is to consistently recognize that one, anybody that comes into the room also has scars. We've all, they're all imprints. Doesn't matter how young or old they are. Right. Um, like uh, some of the literature is really pointing towards these days that eighteen-ish months. It's like, yeah, you can. Kids are building what are known as relational frames, mm -hmm. which means that they begin to relate things together. They're they're connecting dots, and the problem with all of those connections is that we can't ever take them back. Right. Like right. as as far as uh, what's known as relational frame theory is called, which is sort of like a new um, branch, newer branch of science, mm -hmm. is that as we build all these relationships, there's no delete key. Wow. So it's like um, somebody has some trauma in one area of their life. There's no way to actually erase that or even erase, erase the thoughts about it is that the best we can do is just work with it. Wow. And. So even with this idea of my own ego, that my own ego is a buildup of a bunch of different things that have happened to me mm -hmm. and not just my experiences, but how I've handled them, right. how I've been taught to handle them, maybe how I haven't been taught to handle them. So that's a big thing too yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, like I didn't grow up with parents who were like reading books about emotional intelligence. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so there's either. that, right? <laughs> right. Um, but for me, that's always a big thing is that when I find myself getting in the way of a relationship, it's just recognizing that that person also has stuff. Wow. And that they're, that we're all struggling, right? Mm -hmm. That we're all, we've all got stuff, we've all got baggage, and we're all dealing with it the best that we can. Mm -hmm. And we don't get to choose what our baggage is because mm -hmm. some of our baggage has been thrust upon us even at a really, really young age. Right. Um, and for me, that's really helpful. It's just like, oh, you're suffering too. Because I think it's really easy when we talk about our own ego is just like to narrow. It's like me, I, and mine, mm -hmm. which is really kind of what the ego means, right. um, especially within, let's say, like yoga philosophy. Um, uh, the term for it is ahamkara, which is the I maker. So it's me, it's I, it's mine. And it's so easy to get wrapped up in that narrow perspective mm -hmm. of even as a teacher. It's like my teaching. I'm teaching you. Yes. And I know what I know. And I'm trying to impart what I know on mm. you to make you air quotes, better at what you do. Thank you for bringing that up. Okay. <laughs> that master-apprentice approach to teaching is so, so... It can be faulty. It's so... I'm trying to find a nice way of saying that it's crap. Yeah. But it, and, and so many teachers are recognizing that mm -hmm. and, re and realizing that we have to meet our students where they're at mindfully, you know, and, and, and appreciate just yeah. everything you said that they're yeah. going through a lot. And I want to thank you for bringing up the fact that even our youngest students have years and stuff. deep and stuff. Yeah, so much stuff. Right. Let's talk about a difficult client or, or okay. someone that, that maybe their stuff and your stuff is, is really, it's really butting heads, butting heads. Yeah. How, how would you, how would you handle that? Um, that's a really, really good question. Part of it, part of it for me is just recognizing that at first is that, and, and on a really experiential level, not like on a superficial, like I don't agree with your opinions or mm. I don't like where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. You and me don't jive. It's just 
Because that's sort of like the initial. We have an experience. There's sort of a baseline opinion about that experience that maybe we don't even recognize is happening, that we have, we actually have an opinion on this. Right. Right. Which starts a little conversation in our heads Mm -hmm. that maybe we don't even know that that's happening. Mm. That starts to roll out some language and Mm. then some behaviors (laughs) that reinforce that separateness. So for me, it's even just recognizing in those moments, like when there's a difficult student in class that's just like, not doing what I'm asking or, but again, like their own experience Mm -hmm. or like maybe a client that I'm working with is recognizing within that moment, oh, there's a, there's a difficulty here Mm -hmm. rather than just me reacting to the difficulty. It's just taking that time to slow down. And it's not like when I'm in session with somebody or I'm in class, I'm just like, hold on guys, I got to close my eyes and feel my breathing, (laughs) which is a good tool to have at first. Mm -hmm. But at some point we need to recognize these things sooner and Mm -hmm. not need to separate ourselves away from our experience as a way to really connect to it. Um, But that can be a really big tool in the beginning. It's just like, okay, separate yourself from the experience for a moment, reflect on it, think about it, try not to get wrapped up in your stuff too much. Mm -hmm. Um, But to recognize that at first. So if there's like a student that I don't know, maybe the, even the theme of the class is like, don't push too hard. Like really, like, <laughs> let's try not to do that. And then I'll have students just like push, 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 push. And their breathing is aggressive and their movements are <laughs> aggressive. And then I'll like, I'll be watching them move and I'm like, anger is building up. And right. I'm like, are you doing this because you really like sometimes, and that's are you basically that's... saying like an F you Steve, right. I'm going to do the opposite of what you're doing. Which would be a false narrative. For sure it would right. be. Okay. Yeah. False. That's good. That's some good language. See, false narrative. You taught me well. <laughs> <clears throat> and so part of that is even just recognizing the struggle in myself that I'm having with that. Mm-hmm. That I'm tr- I'm trying to not make an experience, but guide or facilitate an experience. And there's almost like somebody stepping on my toes the entire time. Right. And it's just like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. For me, I go body. So it's like, okay, where is this in my body? Mm. Right. When I get upset, I feel it in my jaw and I feel it on the back of my head. Really? And I'm like, oh, okay. This this is kind of like those other things in your life that ah. make you feel this way. And And then it's just a matter of not backing out um, mm. or recognizing what my tendency is going to be. So let's say this. I'm not, as far as like fight or flight is concerned, mm. I'm not a fighter. I'm a flighter. Ah. I'm an avoider. I run away from conflict at every possible chance. Mm. Um, and so to even recognize that in myself mm. is be like, okay, I'm having a conversation with somebody and I'm really not enjoying it, but it's probably happening for a reason. Mm. And my tendency is to sort of shy away from it. And physically, I'll even feel myself like kind of recoil a little bit Mm. where my heart will sink in and my shoulders pop forward and my upper back moves away from who it is that I'm talking to. (laughs) And when I can recognize that in myself, I just go back to what I initially what we do in yoga, soften back into my breathing, Mm -hmm. relax my shoulders. Yeah. Right. And then just like, can I. Can I do my best to meet that person where they're at? Mm -hmm. And maybe even ask, depending on the circumstance or the context, maybe even ask them to do the same thing for me. It's like, I'm going to really do my best to hold space for you right now. Can you maybe offer me the same courtesy? That is amazing language. Yeah. 
Um, like I have, for those of people that don't know, I'm also, I've recently got into counseling mm. and I was working with a woman recently who was talking about how her kids were using language and doing behaviors that she does not like. Mm-hmm. And then I said to her, and this was a big jump out for me. I was like, can I tell you something? And she's like, yeah. I was like, you're doing the same thing to me. Or my opinion mm-hmm. is the same of you. Um, because she very easily slips into self-deprecating language and behaviors based on that within session. And I said, I kind of feel the same about you. Like when you come in and I don't agree with the opinions that you have about yourself because I see somebody different. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, like there's some language there and there's some behavior that I don't like. But part of our work together is really like holding some space for that. Sure. And then she had a big epiphany moment within that. And she was like, oh, I can do that with my kids. Like there might be language and behaviors there that she doesn't like, but rather than instantly reacting to it or trying to shape it into something that she likes, Mm -hmm. like do the behavior that I like, use the language that I like, um, that she can hold space for her kids now. And it's, Mm -hmm. and the relationship I think has gotten a little bit better just because she's not trying to shape them too much, Mm -hmm. that she's allowing them to express themselves and be more of who they are. And part of that is just recognizing that, like along with me, I don't I don't like this circumstance. It's kind of given me a bad vibe, but I don't necessarily have to avoid it, even though that's mm-hmm. my tendency. That mm-hmm. is really great advice. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Okay, and good. It's, it's I, I I think it'll speak to a lot of voice teachers because all day long you're holding space for people. Yeah, and they come into your 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 studio, and their energy comes with them, and you know there's the students that. Their energy is welcoming and it works Mm -hmm. and you get this great productive lesson. And then especially those of us who are working with teens. um, They can be shy and They can be shy and you're, they can either be shy and you're constantly trying to pull stuff out of Mm -hmm. them. Or even for me in the last few years, it's, it's been a lot of my adults that have come in. And I used to think that teens were were the the difficult ones but then I had a whole bunch of adults that brought in lifetime of trauma with their voices and it their left scars are so deep those <laughs> scars are huge yeah. you know and it and and yeah I thank you for sharing all of that I think that's super super helpful to mm-hmm. know that holding space is not easy yeah sometimes you just gotta and within that idea of recognizing those things in ourselves it's like for any of us, mm. being vulnerable is tricky. Like it oh, doesn't yeah. feel good to be vulnerable. No. And yet that's what we're asking our students to do all the time. For me, especially with something like a voice. Oh, well, where it's performance. so personal. Oh, gosh, yes. And even as opposed to any other instrument, like because like drums is external, guitar is external, like all like trumpet, trombone, whatever you play, all of those instruments are external. Right. And you have ways to tweak them Mm -hmm. to make the sound that you want, like adjusting a valve or Mm -hmm. like tightening something up or tuning a string. But with a voice, it's so personal. It's so I always say to my students, your every all your baggage is hardwired for sure. Right into that larynx of yours. Yeah. Yeah, because that's where a lot of us hold our vulnerability and our Mm -hmm. stress and our anxieties is like in the throat. And helping people with performance too. Like Mm -hmm. I always tell my students, we're we're teaching you to be okay <laughs> with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Because performing is uncomfortable. Like it's that's uncertain. and it's you're it's uncertain. There's no guarantees. You feel vulnerable. You are expressing emotions and story to a group of people, which 
which by far is it takes the most courage yeah. out of a lot of things that we can do. And and it's it's there's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. So like I remember when I was in jazz school and uh, one of my teachers would say, like if you mess up, just mess up again and people will think you meant to do it on purpose. But you can't do that with a voice. Like oh, if, no, you can. Like because I, I went imagine, to jazz I school can a too, bit. and that's how I got through jazz school, friend. Like, <laughs> I totally meant to sing outside of that chord thing that we I were totally singing. meant to do like a John Coltrane low <laughs> growl type of thing with my voice. I love how many of my friends, because uh, our friend Kendall also went to jazz school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, my guest, my previous guest, Ben Bowen. Do you know Ben? I don't think I know Ben. Ben, he's a local musician, runs um, amazing children's um, introductory children's courses, oh, classes. Nice. He does great stuff, and he's a songwriter. But he's also went to jazz school. But he's jazz school. Jazz school. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that band camp. Right? One, time <laughs> one, one time in jazz school. One time in jazz school. I was doing a paradiddle and. <laughs> Um, there's an exercise that I took from one of my colleagues, um, Kelly uh, Barham, and hello, shout out to Kelly, um, where which she got from her teacher, which was uh, like to improvise but try to sing all the bad notes, mm. which I tried, and it's very difficult because you spend so much time trying not to sing the bad notes, but it's literally trying to just sing out whatever. It's a very interesting, tough, right? <laughs> yeah. very interesting exercise. Yeah. Now, can we can we talk about uh, a little bit about mindful speech, how we use our language? Yeah. And uh, my my one of my BFFs, my best friend Chantal, uh, who is um, a uh, personal coach, a mm -hmm. wellness coach, and she's a neuro linguistic practitioner. Ooh, beautiful. He talks about how language is a currency. Yeah, I like that. Isn't that nice? Yeah. That when she when she said that to me, I was like, ah, yes. It holds so much value. Right? Yeah. How we use our words. And we are often not listening, not using our words properly. How can we be more mindful with with our speech and mm -hmm. how we talk to people? So this is a topic that's really dear to my heart right now. And I was recently in a, a workshop with, um, I'm, I'm going to also do a shout out to uh, one of my favorite teachers right now. Her name is Catherine Bruni Young. Um, so she was in Hamilton not too long ago at um, Good Body Feel, oh. which is also another really wonderful local yoga studio. Um, and so her one of her big things is dropping unnecessary language. But from the practitioner's standpoint is really beginning to, just like what we were talking about with our own stuff and our egos, is really listening to ourselves talk, mm. which is not always an easy thing to do. Nope. So for me, when I'm running workshops, um, I tend to record myself. Uh, so I have like my little wonderful H4N Pro, which is awesome, <laughs> and I set it up. I like recording gear. So I set it up, and but one of the hardest things is listening back to it. Because I'm also going to use some of it for content, for online content, for things that I'm doing in the future. And it's tough to listen to s that sometimes. Um, like even right now, it's just like, oh, I said, um, how many times have I said, um, or I have listened to myself on these podcasts and I, I hope, I think after four years, I have mm. changed some of the things I do. Yeah. And I think also like some of it needs to be refined mm -hmm. and some of it doesn't. Like in this little conversation, in this conversation that we're having right now, um, like I don't need to be like, I'm in class. Like, 
feel your breathing. <laughs> okay, if you don't, if you did class like that, I'd yeah, probably I know, be I would laughing never teach in class the back. Like that. I feel like I'm inducing people. Um, but part of it is really recognizing how we talk to people, Ooh. and um, if you can, if you have a, a platform where you can record yourself and listen back, that's a really wonderful tool to figure out how many times you're going to use that word in a five minute period. And then once you become more aware of it, then you can begin to curb it. Mm. Um, and it all just goes back to that awareness thing. Like if I'm not aware of it, I'm not going to be able to work with it. Um, I can't work with anything that's outside of my awareness because if I, if I don't know that it's happening, good luck. Mm-hmm. So even listening to myself, listening to other teachers that I like and picking up on some of their language. Um, like when I was in workshop with Catherine Bruni she was some of the language that she used it's like oh I'm gonna take that just like you were saying that you've taken stuff from me it's like I'm gonna take that I steal all because that that's wonderful and I can replace the thing that I have been saying with that new thing mm-hmm. and it's just constantly a state of refinement mm-hmm. um, like when I grew up uh, my mom constantly <laughs> it's not what you say it's how you say it <laughs> okay. Right? That was a constant in my childhood. And then I've sort of come to this place where it's not what you say or how you say it, it's both. Nice. It's not an either or, it's always a both and. Mm. Um like I can say I don't know, I can say like F you in a bunch of different ways. <laughs> and some of them can sound comical and some of them can sound really serious and some of them can sound angry. Um so it's always that little refinement that we're mm-hmm. doing. And when we're listening to other people talk, I think it's easier than listening to ourselves talk. Mm. And even be, so we can pick up on those things as they're coming out. Like a a thing that's happening for me more lately these days is I'll be in workshop or in teacher training and something like that. And I was in a workshop the other night and somebody was, what did you say two sentences ago? That was really wonderful. And I was like, I don't <laughs> know. Can you elaborate on that? Like, what was the theme of what I, what was some right. of the language? And then I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Because some of the things that we're talking about in conversation, if I'm not conscious of what I'm saying or how I'm saying it, I'm just saying it. Mm-hmm. And not that that's always a bad thing, because we don't want to helicopter parent our language all the time. Right. Because then then it's not really being mindful. It's just being afraid. It wouldn't be authentic. <laughs> yeah, it would be me trying to not be myself mm-hmm. and to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. But awareness for me is just the biggest key of, of listening to myself talk, being aware of some of the language that comes out of my mouth, um, even noticing like when I say something like, oh, I just said that. That was really good. Or I just said that. I don't know if I want to use that language anymore. Mm. Well, even for me sometimes and. I have to thank Sean, like, you know, in the rush of the day and you're like, you know, laying on the instructions mm-hmm. on your kid and you just want to get thing and you're just, your tone is just so hard or, or the way you use your language is, is cutting and you don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that I'm, I'm bad for that because I, you know, have a list of things to do and I'm looking to get everything done as quickly as possible and I think too in the, in the teaching studio we have limited time and we want to try and fit in all this instruction yeah and we just are are, are not facilitating properly I think yeah that. yeah because then that's going back to that old stuff of like well you get wrapped up in your agenda exactly <clears throat> not what you're doing it for mm. right? 
teachers, did you hear what Steve just said? It's we very do, easy to get wrapped up in agendas. We do. Oh, my goodness, we do. Oh, I got to finish this, and we got to work on this, and we're going to sing this song, and we're going to do this, and, mm-hmm. and really... Plan, 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 plan. Plan, plan, And productivity, right? Productivity in 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 the lessons. Like, it, you might have an aha moment, and it's the best lesson you've ever had, but you didn't sing one song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You didn't finish one exercise, yeah. you know, and we have to recognize that. Yeah. Now, you have just published a book. Yes. I would love for you to tell everybody about this book. It's a very unique It is. Appro- it's approach or Yeah. It's kind of uh, how do I want to talk about this? It's complicated. <laughs> Uh, so it's I like a, that voice, Steve. Uh, that's very that's Steve's inner voice. Uh, I also used to do a lot of oppressions when I was a kid. <laughs> I used to do a really good Richard Nixon, but I haven't, oh, no. haven't practiced it in a really long time. Um, so yeah, the book is called Mindful Yoga-Based Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, or MyACT for short. Wow. Uh, the way that the book sort of rolled out was as I was teaching yoga, because my background is, or my preference is to more teach from a place of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And um, for those of you that don't know, my background is in, although not formally, my background is in movement anatomy and biomechanics. It's just always been a part of my life ever mm-hmm. since I was young and um, working out in the gyms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that tends to be where I kind of cue from in classes is just like noticing what this body part is doing or notice what this body part is doing relative to this body part. Mm -hmm. So really bringing attention into not just moving the body, but what is the body doing while we're moving it? And even noticing like what kind of stuff is showing up in the mind as we're doing all of this stuff. So as I'm teaching, um, a man walks into my class, really wonderful man named Timothy Gordon, who we became really, really good friends. And he said to me at the end of a class one day, he's like, you don't know this, but the way that you teach yoga is the way that I do therapy. Wow. Um, Tim has his master's in social work. Hmm. And, and I was like, oh, please elaborate on this. So he introduced me to what's known as acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT um, for short. And ACT is sort of what we would call a third wave cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh it sits under the broad umbrella of CBT. So these days, CBT isn't an actual therapy, although it can be. But CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy is more of like an umbrella term that has okay. a bunch of different branches underneath it. Okay. And so he would teach me more about ACT. And I was like, oh, this is very like on board with some yogic philosophy. Because mm-hmm. um, not all yoga philosophy is the same. Of course. And so he actually did his master's thesis on yoga for anxiety and depression. Wow. Yeah. And got really good, um, really good data on how we can use yoga for those particular conditions and other conditions. And then he actually developed the my act program. Wow. And so he was rolling it out in group therapy, inpatient outpatient programs. And he was doing this before we had even met. Hmm. So what he had done was as he was rolling out this program, he was bringing in yoga teachers to teach more of the yoga component mm-hmm. so that he could do more of the act stuff because he didn't mm-hmm. want to do all of it by himself. Of He's course. Just, but he is a bit of a workaholic, so that would be his tendency. <laughs> Tim, if you're listening. Hi, Tim. Um, and so he wanted to bring me on to this project hmm. because he liked the way that I taught and it was very much in line with what he was doing. Um, and the other yoga teachers were more teaching from 
a classical yoga perspective sure. of alignment and this and that. This is the way that yoga is supposed to be. And if you kind of don't fit into that mold, then uh, what do you do? Right. So we started working together, um, running eight-week group therapy programs, mindful based, mindful yoga-based acceptance and commitment therapy. And then he had already published some work. So his publishing company approached uh, us about writing a book about what we do. And then we brought in another uh, co-author. Her name is Jessica Borshak, who has her PhD in psych. She's a clinical psychologist, also a researcher. Um, and so we collaborated together. We wrote this beautiful book that is technically a clinical manual. Um, its main focus is for mental health care practitioners to use yoga um, movement practices as a way to train um what they would call an act are like the six core processes that make up act. So we use the body as a way to work all of that stuff. Wow. And uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a wonderful book. It gets into how yoga philosophy and the new sort of um, cognitive behavioral sciences, things like relational frame theory or another science known as functional contextualism, how those things really work well together. Mm-hmm. And then the last half of the book is... Uh, basically an eight-week protocol that somebody could follow verbatim if they wanted to. Oh, wow. Whether they're going to do group programs, whether they're going to do it one-on-one. But you could also, it's the kind of book where even if you're not a mental health care practitioner, you could pick it up and really get something from it. That's awesome. Um, The flip side of that is that we also wanted to make it accessible for yoga teachers Hmm. who wanted to use it or wanted to learn more about um, evidence-based cognitive and behavioral theories and practices um because the problem with being a yoga teacher sometimes is that when you ask people to really tune into their bodies and their minds there's a lot of stuff there oh of course and so the yoga teacher unfortunately sort of gets thrust into like a counselor role Mm. that a lot of the times we're very unqualified to to approach Mm -hmm. and that was the thing for me was i was very unqualified to approach some of those situations Mm -hmm. and i would always refer out to people like Tim or other psychotherapists or social workers that I know. And then, but for me, I was like, I really want to get to know this stuff better so that I can use it so that I can help, I can help people on a broader spectrum, which is why I got into counseling is Mm -hmm. I was just really interested in it. But the book is also geared towards giving yoga teachers some of those tools, but without stepping out of their scope of practice. Brilliant. Yeah. So that's the book. I'm going to put a link Okay. In the show notes Please. to the book. It's yeah. available on Amazon. On Amazon. And, yeah. Okay. And and coming soon it will be available in like local studios in Hamilton. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I cannot thank you enough. Hmm. Not only for your wonderful classes that I love to get to, and uh, but for your um you, just your information, um, for those of you, uh, I've actually brought Steve in on a couple of occasions to work with my students yeah. in my teaching studio. I always love doing work and with people. And it's, it's, so, it's so neat to see how, because there's huge takeaways. Mm-hmm. And I think on one of the last, one of the last um, workshops you did, one of my teens, um, my boys, and they're going through a lot. Yeah. Right? They're going through so much. I know he took away some really beautiful things Good. from your class. Good. I was just like, I was just so happy yeah. that he came. One, I didn't know that he was going to show up, you know, because 
boys. Yeah. But he did. and he was Teenage a, boys. Teenage boys, Tricky. right. Right. Hey, teenage boys, come to this meditation <laughs> class that your voice teacher is going to, right? Exactly, right. Um, no, so I want to thank you for all your all your wonderful guidance and, and uh, for your time today on the podcast and You're for coming welcome. back yeah. uh, to the podcast. Anytime. And Anytime. I will have you back. You'll probably have yet another child and more no, books. No, no. <laughs> hopefully more books, but hopefully not another <laughs> child. Uh, we right. sort of decided that one. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well. We don't want to be outnumbered. <laughs> <laughs> that's smart. That's, that's very mindful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to put your... Are you Are you okay with people reaching out? If they Absolutely. Have questions? Right. Um, if anybody wants to... Can I give them my email and stuff? Absolutely. Um, if anybody wants to email me, um, uh, stevefarrell23 at gmail, all one word. And Farrell um, is spelled? Uh, F, oh, so S-T-E-V-E-F-E-R-R-E-L-L 23 at gmail.com. So like Will Farrell as opposed to Colin Farrell. <laughs> Um, and then if they want to find me like on, on Instagram or Facebook, I'm out there. Um, my tag on Instagram is, uh, move well, feel good. Um, I will put a link. Yeah. And if anybody well. wants to reach out, I'm always happy to, to talk and chat about stuff. Thank you so much for this conversation. So many, so many things we can put, uh, to use in our teaching studios and in our daily life. And, uh, you have my eternal gratefulness. Forever. I'm so, help, uh, and, so happy uh, to be here. And for the record, uh, Steve's going to work with my son on his baseball throw. <laughs> 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 the biomechanics. Mindfulness of baseball throwing. Mindfulness. Mostly just has to work on his mom, who screams like a lunatic in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm totally going to be that dad when Ella starts getting into stuff like that. You know, it's just just quickly, when it comes to my students, I have the patience. Like, mm. especially my littles. My littles, I keep, hey, it's all cool. We're yeah. just singing here. When it comes to baseball, I need to be institutionalized <laughs> it's pretty scary because like of course i've got the vocal training so like sean won't even stand by me but because you're just so loud and projecting i, am, right? I can project my voice across that field like <laughs> no beautiful. william baseball ready <laughs> like it's just like poor kid go for home slide <laughs> <laughs> anyhow thank you so much for, for being here and um i uh, i'll see you i'll see you in class yeah you'll see me in the room awesome yeah. A very special thank you to Steve for that wonderful conversation. If you would like to learn more about Steve and his new book, please check the show notes and visit our podcast page. If you are enjoying this podcast and would like to see it continue, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Those ratings and reviews help us to continue to put out great podcasts for you. Don't forget to check our website for amazing teaching resources, free downloads, and fun in your teaching studio. As always, wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. Canoe music. Canoe Black stepped in. I, I grew up loving that. I don't know where I first heard of it. Right. It might have been on something like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> but like I grew up loving that. And so when I was a kid, I used to like step dance all over the place. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. So, so yeah, well, I'll think of something. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll put you on the spot. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you ready? Yeah. Okay. The levels look good.
I don't think anybody's clipping. Pa 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 pa. I did. Pa 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 pa. I did press record for okay, the record. Good. So this is all. Because <laughs> Sean's not here, and man, mm. <laughs> how was the recording? Great. <laughs> Looked like it was happening. It was like did nothing. It was so smooth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome to welcome back mm. to the podcast.